We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talks Friday Rapid Fire. Usually, we've got the three-man crew. Me, Vince, Jesse. Jesse, en route from Cleveland to South Bend as we speak. So it'll be just Vince and I tonight. Sorry. How are you doing, Vince? I'm doing great, man. It was a good Friday at school. So, you know, it hit the fan a little bit after school. But guess what? I'm punching out. Punching out. That's the best way to do it. Can be safe till Monday, baby. Let it hit the so, fan as you're walking out the door, right? Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. But I got get to go to regionals tomorrow. Get to cheer on the Kingsmen. They're heading to regionals. So. Let me ask you this: I yes. know they changed the format. Is they there did, is regional like just it. a one game thing mm-hmm. now? Is that and semi state has two, two games now? Okay, and I don't. I basically from what the way I understand it is they changed it. So more people could participate in semi-state is basically what it comes down to, which okay. it goes against everything I believe as far as the participation trophy thing. <laughs> right. uh, I, I don't understand why it matters well, that you get to play one extra weekend. I, I don't know. It's, I don't. It's, it's funny because, um, you know, I've got some friends in Kansas, friend of mine, Kevin, who uh, I went to uh, University of Kansas with, you know, we follow each other on Twitter and, Kansas is doing their state tournament right now, and their format for state is different. They really eight team eight teams go to state, and then you know, so then they play it like over a three day period. Oh wow! At state, and they are all like all the state tournaments are scattered to you know each of them is in a different city because of the fact that you've got so many teams there. And sure, someone was complaining about the fact that like. If you had all the state tournaments in the same city or, you know, close to the same city from a media standpoint, you'd get more coverage and all that kind of stuff. And my friend Kevin was kind of responding, you know, 
as much. But obviously, because of the fact that they do it that way, it, you know, like Indiana, it's like the only teams that go to state are the two teams that are playing in the championship. Right. And so, there's four classes. So you got yeah. four games. So I guess that is eight teams. Right. But, but you can obviously get them all, you know, down in yeah. one city. And you do it all in one so, day, too. I mean, yeah. basketball games don't take that long. They're about an hour and a half. And you just roll right into the next one. You know, and so right. I believe they're all on a Saturday and they just boom, 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 boom. And uh, yep. so, yeah, I don't really I don't, I don't feel as excited about the regional weekend as I used to. Like when you and I would go, we'd call the first two games and then go get a bite to eat, come back to the nightcap championship. That's right. going to be next week for and some I mean, state. I guess I can see it because, you know, because like what difference does it make? You're going to play two games, one of the two weekends, sure. no matter what. So whether it's semi-state. Yeah, I guess. So, and it's so now it's odd. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. So now you're just letting yeah. a couple extra teams be at semi-state instead of regionals. So and and so there's two games at regionals though, right? So but basically, there. So there's two games just like there used to be, and the winners they just won't play each other until until the, the next first week. game <laughs> of the next week. So right, they just so, minus the game essentially. So there's a chance Mishawaka and Penn could play each other next week, yes. right? Yeah, okay. if they both win. And Mishawaka, I would think, would be favored to beat John Glenn, and Penn is favored to beat Chesterton, and so it'll be interesting. <laughs> Our friend Romlock is back. Did Hickory make the regional? Uh, well, no, there would have to be an actual did. Hickory first. but <laughs> well, there's... Okay, good point. Very right, good I, point. I, I think it's just a joke, but yeah. Um Tommy Guns was asking if we can change the text size. He says it's so much smaller than the other show. Like, it's fairly standard. We have never adjusted the font size, text size, whatever. And it's pretty much like everyone uses the same platform, you know, on all of our yeah. shows. So I have no idea why ours would be any different size than than uh, the other show. So, no idea. That, yeah. yeah, we. it's the same on our end. Like, we're on the back end or whatever. Uh, of Streamyard, and it all looks exactly the same for us. So yeah, that might be on the YouTube side of things. I don't know. That's right. odd. Well, it is Friday, and we're on. This is our regular time. We were on at six o'clock, if you remember last week, because I had ACC right. basketball out there. You know, it's like seems like that's been a million years ago at this point. But uh, appreciate you stopping by tonight. Hit the like button if you would to help us out, boost us up a little bit, give us a little bit more visibility on YouTube right now as we get this thing started here tonight let's just start with this vince i think All this right. came out maybe right before the show yesterday we didn't get a chance to touch on it because we we're playing you know a lot of different sound bites from a lot of different notre dame people from the day before but marty biagi biagi whichever way biagi whichever way you say it which we'll find out soon he's gonna be notre dame special teams coordinator it is semi-official at this point. The reports are out that he is going to be hired. Of course, we have to wait for the official announcement and all that stuff, just like we just got the official from Joe Rudolph a couple of days ago, and then we got to talk to him. But So what do you think about Marty Biagi becoming the new special teams coordinator for the Fighting Irish? Eh. Like, that's kind of my thought process. Like, eh. Yeah. I mean, I understand that he came in second, I believe, if the reports are accurate. He came, basically came in as the, you know, the first runner-up last year when Brian Mason got the job. So right. he's obviously been on Marcus Freeman's radar for a long time. And Notre Dame has been on his radar because he interviewed last time he interviewed this time, you know, okay. I mean, it's special teams. I never really 
Uh, somebody made a really good point the other day, and I, I don't know if it was on Brian's show or not. Uh, I think it probably was. You know, it's great to have a, a really good special teams coach and all of that, and, and you, you look for that. But really, the special teams, no matter how good of a special teams coach you have, it really kind of depends on what kind of a head coach you have and what kind of emphasis they're going to allow you how much to they're put going to emphasize it on right. special teams. Because we all know that special teams was not an emphasized piece for the last decade or so at Notre Dame, and it showed, right? And, and regardless of how good or bad the special teams coach was, it was not something that was overly valued, it didn't feel like. And so I feel like Marcus Freeman does value special teams. And so I'm, I, I guess the jury's still out for me on the new guy, but I know that Marcus Freeman is going to value special teams. So that's going to allow Biagi, Biagi, however you say his name, we'll figure it out. Uh, it's going to allow him to be successful and he's going to have his pick of the litter as far as who can be on special teams and, you know, all of those things too. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think Notre Dame's going to be just fine. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Would expect it to be the same as under Brian Mason. You know, what's, what's funny is of like... Course. Brian Mason elevated the position to such a stature in just one year. Like a year ago, it's like, do we really need to talk to the special teams coordinator? <laughs> you know, when he, when he's right. hired, it's like, it says coordinator, but do we really need a press conference for the special teams coordinator? And it's, you know, then, you, you know, you listen to Brian Mason. It's like, wow, this, you know, this guy's got some energy. He's, he's got a lot of intent with special teams and, and stuff like that. Let's see where it goes. And obviously he becomes, he, he takes Notre Dame to being one of the elite special teams groups in the country. So now it's, there's, there's a difference in the way you look because then even during season, it's like until they started blocking some punts, like, uh, do we really need to talk to Brian Mason? You know, that kind of right. stuff. And, but you know, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I, the bar is high, just like we've talked about, 
where Biagi goes with this is going to be the question, and you're absolutely right. I I do think that the 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 focus that the importance that the head coach places on special teams goes a long way toward whoever the special teams coaches. So just like we said earlier in the week, like even for Brian Mason, the bar was going to be high for him to try to live up to the standard that he set last year. So it is, you know, it's, it's naturally going to be hard for anyone to live up to. So as long as you don't, you know, kind of going back to the Brian Kelly days, as long as you don't see a bunch of special teams blunders, I would still right, consider that, right. a, you know, a pretty good success. I don't think that we're going to see that. Biagi does have a history of himself of, uh, you know, some some block kicks and stuff like that in his past. I think the average is right around three block kicks per season. So I would expect that we still see potentially more of that. And we'll just see where it goes. It, you know, like. Special teams is still sort of a little bit of an of an intangible, I think. Oh, absolutely. It, it's so different than than offense and defense. Sure. No, absolutely. And like you said, it's about the emphasis and it's about what you want to put on it. And and then of course the coordinator's important. I mean, that there was, you know, there was a different energy around the special teams last year. There was, you know, you could tell Brian Mason was mentally better than a lot of the coaches that he went up against. No doubt about it. And so yeah. you hope to keep that edge, obviously. And look, somebody in the chat before, not today, but a different day, said something about how, uh, you know, those block punts didn't really change the course of games. Like, what? Like, that is oh mind-blowing <laughs> to me. So now we're going to totally downplay the block kicks right. as, as if yes. they, didn't, they didn't matter at all. Huh? Right, right, exactly. So, <laughs> okay. you know. We'll see how things go. I think I think Notre Dame special teams is still going to be just fine, and I think they're going to be. I don't want to say elite because I don't know that for sure, but they're going to be one of the better special teams around, right? Hopefully, I think the block. You know, like I, don't know, I won't even go into it. I just <laughs> you don't think that block you get, kick against Clemson was a big deal. Like come that's on. that's what I was going to say, but you know, it's like <laughs> you you get those, especially if they happen early. You know. Early in a game, or really at any point, especially if the game is close, it's there. There's such a momentum shift. I think you know. Yes, so, absolutely. I think they all, they all absolutely matter because they all, no matter what, like even after they had blocked a couple earlier, you know, like anytime they come, there's still a little bit of a surprise. It's like boom, you know, there it is, and it's it 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 gives your team such momentum, especially oh yeah, if you get the ball deep in the opponent's territory. As a result, you know, it's huge. So, it's absolutely yeah. huge. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a momentum stealer. It is a field position, you know, winner, you know, all of those things It puts your offense in a great position, you know, where they can go in and score. I mean, it just, it, there's nothing bad about blocking kicks. There's nothing bad about getting good returns. Yeah. There's nothing bad about good coverage when you're kicking. I mean, all of those things are crucial in my opinion to being a, a because, successful program. Because again, typically from, you know, especially if they happen, I think on, you, you know, the, the the punt block unit, you know, when, when the other team is trying to punt, they're typically a result of advanced scouting that the head coach has done. He has seen something yes. specific. And as a result of seeing something specific, they got the look. They get the, you know, they executed the way they were supposed to execute. It's, it's, it really, 
you know, like you still want to put your players in the best position to make the plays and the players have to make the plays, but it's, it starts with the position that the, that the coach of those units puts them in. So, all right. So Sam Hartman, Notre Dame's new quarterback. We had a little audio yesterday. We got a couple more sound bites. We're going to play today. Sam Hartman asked about the 26 interceptions he threw in his last two years at Wake Forest. He was asked if the interceptions were simply a byproduct of the fact that Wake had to score so much in order to win games because basically their defense wasn't as good. Here's his response. I mean, I think some of it is just bad decisions. Some of it's bad luck. Um, you know, interceptions come. Quarterbacks, uh, it's just going to happen. You throw the ball a lot. Um, you just make make different decisions. Guys make plays on balls. But, no, I mean, it's that's – we were high-scoring offense. We were fast-paced. We ran, you know, 80, 90 plays. Um, again, you look at the amount of plays we run to anything else. Uh, I think those percentages, I mean, they are what they are. They're interceptions, so I don't really see it being much of a um, correlation of anything. So, Vince, what do you think of his answer, and what do you think of the fact, like, what's your concern level about the fact that he threw 12 interceptions last year and 14 the year before that at Wake Forest? So I was impressed by the way that he owned it. Like he owned all of those interceptions. He's like, so, you know, bad decisions. You know, we try to go fast, you know, all of those. Like, okay. Like I was not anticipating him owning it to the way that he did own it. Right. And so I, I was I reading agree. through the, I was reading through the rundown this afternoon. I was like, I wonder what he's going to say to that because <laughs> you, you you told me there was going to be audio and i like to react to it i, I think that's uh -huh. awesome uh i was like I, how is he going to react to that question because he could have easily been like well you know it's kind oh, of yeah, a product because yeah, like, the way we did the offense and you yeah, know exactly because the question was phrased like giving him a chance yes exactly. to use it as an excuse you know the question was basically is it you know is it because you guys just had to throw so much and they didn't yeah. say because your defense would because you had to throw so much because you had to score points to win games, you know? So on one hand, I'm very impressed that he just owned the interceptions. Yeah. Right. On the other hand, I would have loved for the reasoning to be that they were just playing catch up all the time. And <laughs> right. I, <laughs> so, so been even better. <laughs> so, so to answer the second part of your question about how do I feel about 14 and 16 interceptions? It's a concern. I mean, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater or anything like that, but it, it's a concern. I mean, he's going to have to make better decisions. Now, he's going to have better protection. He's going to have better scheme because the slow mesh is terrible. He's going to have better guys on the receiving end of his passes. So, I mean, he's going to have upgrades across the board, but it's still concerning because he himself said that some of it was decision-making, right? And so you hope that he can kind of clean that up a little bit and so that we don't have those issues going into this year. So I'm a little concerned. I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I've i got, I think I agree, a little bit concerned, but it's not like an overriding concern. Like you look at the fact that he threw the ball 428 times last year, for example. That's almost 100 more pass attempts than Notre Dame's all of Notre Dame's quarterbacks had combined last year. And obviously there was another quarterback taking snaps as well because you know he he missed the game with the blood cots and you know all that mm -hmm, kind right. of stuff. So it wasn't all him. So but 
So even though there was another quarterback taken, you know, so like if you look, they were more than 100 more pass attempts than Notre Dame had last year. And so you kind of factor in the run game that he's going to have here at Notre Dame. Just the fact, you know, again, like if you look at the way their operation runs versus how Notre Dame's runs, one, their defense wasn't as good at Wake Forest, you know, kind of to the point of, you know, the, the initial question and two the run game wasn't as good sure. at, at Wake Forest as, as he's going to have here. So just by definition, he's going to decrease the opportunities mm-hmm. for some, you know, for, for having to make some of those decisions because the ball's not going to be in the air as much. And I'm sure that part of his coaching here now at Notre Dame, you know, like one thing, if, if, if there's one thing that continues from the Brian Kelly era and, you know, through Tommy Reese and to where we are now, like we were talking yesterday, what's the offense going to be under Jared Parker? Like they prioritize protecting the football. And we saw that from Marcus Freeman last year as well. Now there does probably need to be a balance because, you know, like when you look at the case of Ian book, you you know, there were times where maybe that went too far, you know, like he could have taken some chances with the football that he wasn't willing to, but, I don't think we're going to see because, like we've we've already been asked the question, like how many interceptions is this going to guy throw? You know, how many touchdowns is he going to throw and that kind of stuff? I think he'll still be right in that nine ten range, mm-hmm. but I, I guess the biggest question at that point, you know, is like what what which games do they come in? Sure. What are the what are the and game when? situations? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because you know if he's throwing thirty five plus touchdowns and he has nine interceptions right i think everybody here would be like yeah okay sign me up you know what i mean but you're right is he is he compiling like the one year and and brian's so much better at this than i am the one year where ian book had all of his touchdowns against like new mexico and you know 15 touchdowns that season against the uh the group of five teams basically the the the, what you were just going to say like New Mexico, Navy, right. who else was on the schedule that year? There was like another, you know. It was just, it was a bunch of touchdowns against a bunch of garbage teams. Right. And he had like no production against good teams. Like, don't want that. I mean, I don't want all of his interceptions to be against USC and, and exactly. uh, Ohio State. Exactly. And all of his touchdowns to be against Navy and and uh, the, the FBS team that they're going to play and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you're right. Context is crucial here. It's absolutely crucial. And his decision-making is going to have to get better. I mean, realistically, right? I mean, because he's going to have opportunities to go deep. He's going to have opportunities in the RPO game and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You would expect a fifth-year guy to make good decisions at this point. It's one of the reasons he was brought in, right? So um, I I am hopeful that they are going to go down. So, again, impressed he took – he took – uh, you know, the blame, but then also I was as well worried. That was you know, just, just leading off with that. The way he answered it again, mm-hmm. when the question was phrased to give him a bailout, you know, he didn't, he didn't take the bait on the bailout. He, he totally said, you know, that, you know, I need to make better decisions kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, which like is great. That's and again, like your that's, leader, right? Right. And again, that's like part of why he's playing a sixth year now yeah because there are things there are some areas he needs to improve it yeah. and that's that's obviously one of them so okay so now joe rudolph the offensive line coach for the fighting irish he uh we we heard uh i think maybe one or two things from him yesterday 
He was uh, the offensive coordinator, of course, as well as the offensive line coach at Wisconsin for seven seasons. And he talked a little bit yesterday about how that experience as offensive coordinator helps him as a line coach. It was, um, I think, one of the things that probably has helped me um, probably be a little a better offensive line coach was having to um, having to coordinate. You know, and and you kind of realizing how all the pieces fit, and in, in realizing how all the pieces fit, you can kind of really help the guys to um, assimilate what we're doing and and how it would apply to them on a given play, um, how things fit together. Like this play right here, this is what we have to do. This is how the defense might play us, but that's setting us up for maybe this over here. And I I think helping them to see the whole picture. Um, has been pretty valuable, you know, understanding formations, understanding defensive structure and recognition and being able to anticipate a little bit, I think is, has been pretty neat. And I've been blessed to be around some really good O-line coaches from guys that I've worked with and, and guys that have coached me and um, leaning on those guys and, and continuing to grow has been, uh, has, I think, really helped me as well. So there's Joe Rudolph talking about that offensive coordinator experience, and you know, that helps him. What do you what do you what do you think, Vince? How helpful do you think that OC experience can be for him now? I would say experience in general can never hurt you. Okay, so you know he's got extra. I mean, look, he's got gray in his beard. He's been around the game for a while, right? <laughs> That's right. And uh, I and I think I think experience is beneficial no matter what. And so number one, I think it'll help him because he'll be able to let the guys up front understand why they're doing certain things because that's always important to understand the bigger picture. Now that's not something that you harp on, but I think it's something that is important. Number two, look, you can never have too much experience in the offensive room to help out Jared Parker as, as basically a brand new offensive coordinator. I mean, for the most part, Mm -hmm. the more guys he can bounce stuff off of the more guys he can go to with questions, the more guys that they can collaborate with, right, is only going to make this offense better. So I think not only will it help him with what he's doing with the offensive line, but I think more importantly, I think it's going to help the offense as a whole and the collaboration part of it. Having somebody with that kind of experience, yeah, I think you know having a former coordinator on the staff is potentially going to help out a guy like Jared, two coordinators basically on the staff, both the quarterbacks coach and the offensive line coach have been coordinators. And I think when you kind of take away and now you're, you know, what, whether you consider it a step back or you're just, you know, kind of back on, on that rung, that can only help. I found it interesting that Joe Rudolph, when he was a high school kid coming out of Pennsylvania, and there'll be a story about this coming up, not just this subject, but it'll be, it's part of the story on Irish breakdown, high school kid coming out of Pennsylvania, you know who recruited him when he was offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at the University of Cincinnati back in the early 90s? Mm, that was a long time ago. Was, it was. Was he there? It was the one and only Harry Heastan. Wow, there you go. His stint as offensive coordinator in the early 90s oh. with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, it obviously didn't work out being a coordinator, but he ends up being an offensive line coach the rest of his career, and it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah. Being an offensive line coach. So like how much maybe that helped him, who knows, but he, he, he obviously has a different, 
with the Harry Heastan we knew the last you know decade or so mm-hmm. when he was here had a a different eye for things that he you know he he had a a, a very very sound way of teaching it. So I, I think that it can only help the experience that you that you accumulate along the way. I mean, this guy, Joe Rudolph is is, is going on 20 years now as you know a, a coach of football, and most of it has been spent coaching the offensive line. But having that experience, that big picture experience, I think can only help him as well. And I think you're absolutely right. Like the the interaction on that staff was with guys with that kind of experience can only help as well the collaborative process oh absolutely never have too much experience that that's not that's not a thing (laughs) couple uh couple comments here we were talking about the special teams jeff says special teams absolutely started woodshed beating of clemson and follow up to the ron burgundy comparison yesterday you need to start rapid fire saying sponsored by sex panther cologne better than karen's kerosene singes the nostrils is what it does the sex panther if you remember oh, oh yes have you seen anchorman oh, yeah. lately it's been a while since i've seen anchorman not lately no i have not seen it lately but it's always a good watch when i have watched it i know it's I, know. Cla- I, I mean I, there's some classic scenes in there i think i need to pull out the dvd here pretty soon <laughs> So former ESPN president John Skipper says the ACC should address its revenue problem by merging with the Pac-12. What's interesting about that is Skipper, while at ESPN, is the one who negotiated with the ACC that 20-year TV contract that they're stuck with right now. But Skipper says ACC Pac-12, you need to merge. And of course, in the meantime, there's all this talk going on out west and in the Midwest about you know the rumblings about Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, what they're calling the Four Corners schools, that they could soon split from the Pac-12 and join the Big 12. So, so what do you think of all this, Vince? Like, what do you think the Pac-12 and ACC could look like, say, ten years from now? Do do you think that they survive relatively as they are right now like what what do you think all this potentially looks like for those two conferences i do not like the acc merging with the pac-12 i don't like that at all i i, I don't see how rather yeah i don't either because now you're literally coast to coast uh with what you're trying to do which is also honestly why i don't see usc and ucla working in the big 10 but that's a different conversation this is even more. It'll so. work for them as long as those checks keep cashing, right? I know, I know, I know. It just, like, I just don't see the track team, you know, going to Maryland. I, I it just, anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like it because, again, like I said, it makes you a coast to coast team, and you're talking literally half the teams now would be on the West Coast, half would be on the East Coast, and that travel is ridiculous. And that, that's, I don't like it. I, I could much. Like, if you're talking about what it looks like in 10 years, I could see some bastardized version of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 coming together somehow. I could see that because at least they're on the same, you know, next door in time zones for the most part, you know, as opposed to the East Coast. So I could see that being the case. And And the ACC, if they're going to grow, I see them pulling potentially teams from the big 12, but I don't see them financially leaving. Right. 
but they would pull teams that are more on the eastern half of the country. I just don't see those two hooking up. I, I think that's ridiculous, and I don't see that happening. Yeah, I just I think the only way that that a merger that big that you say a coast to coast merger could work is like if you you're essentially you know like you've got the eastern division and the right. western and, they and never the ACT play each is other. already big yeah like well they would play each other but they would essentially kind of operate as the non conference games at the start of the season so you're never sure. playing you know like a Mac school or a Big West school or you know whatever it happens to be you know like a right those those kind of um mountain west conference you know those those kind of schools they, they'd almost have to operate as non-conference games at the start and then you go do your own thing over the course of the season i just like there's there's already you know been rumblings about clemson and florida state trying to get out of that grant of rights that they've got with the acc but it lasts what 13 more years and as of right now the buyout is just too big uh, you know i'm curious though as we get closer to that 2036, I mean, obviously it's going to take a while, but I just feel like even if they can cut that in half and the SEC wants them badly enough, one or both of those teams is going to jump. I just feel like the Pac-12 is going to crumble at any minute. They still don't have a TV contract. You know, they're talking about, oh, are we going to put our games on Amazon? Nobody seems to want to write the paycheck. You know, like Klefkoff, the commissioner, you know, it was telling, I guess, you know, all the schools out there, oh, we're going to get a deal that's just as good as the Big 12s. And so far, apparently they've come nowhere close financially in, in any of their negotiations to getting there. And so I could I think it makes sense for those four schools, the two Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado, oh, yeah. to just jump to the Big 12 and leave them. There's just there's just nothing beyond Oregon that is attractive enough out there in the Pac-12. And even Oregon's not that attractive. It was all about the Los right. Angeles market, and they don't have that now. So Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think within 10 years, the Pac-12 is going to be gone, and the ACC is still going to be trying to figure out, you know, right. 10 years from now, you're only going to be about three years. Yeah, three years from that 2036 deadline. So 10 years from now, I don't, I don't think the ACC is going to look the same either. So it's just, uh, you, just you a matter probably, of when it happens. Right. No, you're probably right about that. And they're, they're going to need to make a power play at some point to either bring some more teams in, steal some teams, whatever the case may be. I just don't see them merging with a, a you know, I don't see them merging with the Pac-12. That's for sure. There's going to be, and if those four teams leave the Pac-12, go to the Big 12, that's more along the lines of what I see happening, right? It's almost mm -hmm. like a bit of a merger you know dissolution essentially they're gonna end yeah. up being one major conference out there on the west coast and it's probably gonna end up being the big 12 when it's all said and done yeah and you know there was there was talks initially after the whole usc ucla thing there was there were at least some kind of discussions i think about could they merge you know big 12 pac 12 i still think that probably would have been better for both of them because that yeah. would that, that would have provided a lot more security and they probably could have at least gotten a little bit more you know out of that whatever tv contract that they were going to get but it just i i can't see the pac-12 surviving based on the climate right now and like shy town says they need to raid the mountain west before they get raided because it's coming and like really you know like boise state like who's who's out there anymore that's even attractive I get, you know, in the, like, there just isn't anybody beyond Boise right. State, it seems. And I'm like. not even, 
I'm not even all that impressed with the teams that the Big 12 is bringing in. You know, yeah, Cincinnati's been doing well, right? Who are the other teams that they're bringing in? Like UCF, yeah, um, UCF, Houston, Houston, and uh, there's one more. I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's not like Memphis or anything, is it? No, no. Okay. Either way, I wasn't that impressed with those teams. You know what I mean? They would have been better off poaching from the Pac-12 before they brought in. You know, some of these, they're not bottom feeders, but and I, like I said, I think Cincinnati's a good ad for them. <clears throat> but Central Florida, really? UCF, yeah. that's okay. Gotcha. You want that Disney market, I guess. I don't really <laughs> get that one. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you're in the Orlando market, but at the same time, is that really still, a huge TV market, though? That's like, and it's, and it's still predominantly a commuter school. It's just, there's right. just, not that much interest. I mean, Florida, Florida State, and Miami are still going to have all the interest out there. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Shaitan says they're impressive <laughs> when you're out of choices. And I mean, I, I get that too. Could be. You know, yeah. it's it's funny because like the big, you know, I, I realize it's wrestling and it's a non-revenue sport, but like the Big 12 as a wrestling conference, they've got like Air Force and the Dakotas, really, Wyoming, I think, is in there. You know, because there weren't that many wrestling schools to be get. Like they even let Missouri come back to be part of ah, the Big Twelve no in wrestling kidding. because, like, who in the SEC has wrestling? You know, no so kidding. It's it's a very it's a very random kind of hodgepodge wrestling conference, but they've they've figured it out, and it's like you know, like there there are only so many options. That's right, but but. I mean, I, I agree to an extent with what you're saying, Chi Town, but I just don't know. Like, the ultimate goal of all this realignment is what you're going to get out of your TV contract. And I just don't right. know how attractive, you know, like Houston is attractive, obviously, to the Big 12 because that's a huge market. And basically, you've got all of Texas by having Houston in your conference. Cincinnati, you know, again, like, is it is it that valuable? Well, probably not, but. You know, you're you're at least adding another school who was just in the college football playoff a year ago. Whether they're able to maintain that, I don't know. But UCF has had some success, but again, it's UCF. So right, right. Like the San Diego State, the SMU, you know, to the Pac-12, all those talks. It's only been about a month since that was going on. That's mm-hmm. really died, and now it's the Pac-12 could just get poached, and you know, SMU. <laughs> SMU is probably excited, like, hey, we're going to the Pac-12. And now it's like, there's nothing left of the Pac-12. So, all right, fill in the blank. Notre Dame women's basketball will be a blank seed when the selections are announced Sunday night. Man, I think they should be, let's see. I think they should be a two or a three. I think they're going to end up a three or a four. So I think that's where they're going to end up based on, you know, potential injuries and the way kind of things have gone down the stretch. So I think they're going to end up at three or four. I know that's not a definitive answer. I really hope they're not a four, but I think, you know, I think, I think they should be ecstatic if they get a three, but I think if everybody was healthy, that they would be a two. So how do you, how about that? Well, I mean, I, I I would I would agree with that. I think that they deserve to be a two where they are, but mm-hmm. like the NCAA and their projections and stuff has, has hasn't seen them as a two so far. They they've been sitting on three. 
all the ESPN bracketology, which, you know, it is obviously not always accurate, but it's what sure. we've got to go on right now. They've got them as a three. I think worst case, there are four. And, you know, the, and the importance of all that is if you're a four seed or better, you're going right. to end up hosting NCAA right. tournament games. And that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. They haven't hosted in four years, so it's an opportunity for Neil Ivey to host for the first time as a head coach. I think they're probably going to be a three. I'm pretty comfortable with that. So that would be great. Yeah. And, and see, you know, see where it all breaks out. And, you know, like we were talking, we were talking yesterday, as long as they get in the Seattle region and not Greenville, South Carolina, that's, that's the other most important thing. Right. Importance number one, right. Being a, being a three or a four and getting to, you know, obviously you, you could do it as a two or a one. I just, I think they're getting squeezed off that, that two line. I, I think do so think, too. I think they're probably going to, I also would not like to see them in the same region with UConn, which again, it's, it's a projection right now. They were in the same region with UConn last year. They ended up not playing UConn because they barely lost to North Carolina state. If they had won that, they would have played UConn, but I would like to see, you know, that that's kind of why I'm saying stay out of that Greenville because Everyone knows UConn's going to get to host, and they're you know they're they're going to end up in Greenville, you know. For I, I'd rather just even though the flight's twice as long, just go out west and <laughs> and get away from get away from UConn, get away from you know probably Virginia Tech and Duke and you know some of those teams as well. Just go out west and take your chances out there. Yep, go to the go to the needle. That's right. Had a um, a comment from Matt Sean. I just saw that a future player you'll be talking about while calling women's basketball games five-star hannah hidalgo named one of the three finalists for the naismith award for the nation's top women's basketball player yeah and she is a finalist for the gatorade player of the year national player of the year as well she's one of three finalists Oof. for that and uh, she was named the new jersey gatorade player of the year the other day so point guard and she is blazing fast she averages over seven steals per game, not assists, nice. seven steals per game. She's lightning quick. And, and, uh, man, <laughs> that, that, I mean, you talk about She's being senior, able to, right? Add, yes. Yes. She'll be here next year. So you're talking about a backcourt with Olivia miles, Hannah Hidalgo, Sonia Citron, right? That's pretty, pretty good. And they're bringing in a shooter as well this girl rish who's you know and of course like, Cass prosper is three I point mean, shooter I guess, type yeah exactly she's exactly. not going to be considered a freshman anymore right i guess she'll be a sophomore technically right, right? because you right. didn't have the yeah so yeah because i mean well, she's played in like 20 games at this point so, okay which seems crazy mm -hmm. considering she came in at mid-season but yeah it's the, the the talent keeps stacking up it's there's 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 a lot there they're they're going to get quite a player They've That's quite a couple players coming in next year. Tyler with a super chat. Thanks for that, Tyler. Vince, thank you for the number one pick. Hey, you're welcome because I feel like the Bears got a pretty good haul in return. So they got the uh let's see. Here we go. Somebody put it in. Oh, here. did here they we go? Did Bears they, get did they, Yeah. Did they trade? Yeah. I yes. haven't even seen this. So the Panthers. Get we the number one pick. We need to talk about this, obviously. Yeah, the Panthers got the number one pick, and the bear, uh, the Bears got DJ Moore as a wide receiver because no, and they need wide receivers mm -hmm. in Chicago. 
the ninth overall pick. So they swap picks in this year's round in this year's draft. They get the 61st pick, which is obviously in the second round. They get the uh, the Panthers 24 first round pick and they get the 25 second round pick. So they didn't get two first rounders, but in future drafts, they got a first and a second in future drafts, but they got a first and a second in this year's draft. So interesting. And a wide receiver. So I'll take it. So, so they get a first and second this year and a first and second next year or no, a first next year and the second, the year after that second and 25 second and 25, but a first Mm -hmm. next year. Huh? Yes. I'm surprised they pulled the gun so early because all the talk earlier this week was Ryan Poles thought he was going to get, you know, first round picks in the next two drafts after this. I mean, you still got what a month and a half until the draft to go. I mean, that's, that's a decent draft haul, but I, I'm surprised, you know, they didn't hold out a little bit longer for that extra first round pick. They must've been getting feedback to where they weren't going to, you know what I mean? Like, like no they one must be getting yeah yeah and, and I like getting DJ Moore to be honest with you I, I think that's a, uh, a solid pickup from a, a player standpoint that can help you right yeah. now you know so I I don't dislike it I really don't um, and I don't think they would have pulled the trigger if they thought that they had a reasonable shot of getting two first rounders you know what I mean yeah Gavin saying rumors that Chicago is going to double up and trade down again for an extra pick. I mean, I could potentially see that. So they're So the, the Panthers were picking what, like fifth or sixth in that range, I think. Does well, that they must have been right? picking ninth because I they I believe they just flipped picks. Okay. All right. They, I mean, I'm looking at ESPN I, and I'm not seeing it anywhere. So I'm, I'm like, I was trying to listen to you, but there are a lot of numbers floated in there. So I was trying to process like exactly <laughs> where all these picks are going to be. So. Okay, here I'm gonna I'm gonna text you a story because that's where <laughs> I got my information. All right, there you go. Uh, but I don't. Uh, I believe who somebody reported it. Let's see who who reported it. Uh, Schefter reported it, and uh, Rappaport reported it. So I trust those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean for sure. Like if those like those two guys are are two of the top guys, you know, in terms of being on top of that. Yeah, so they'll get the number nine, DJ Moore, number nine overall pick, number sixty one overall pick, Carolina's first round pick, twenty four. Yeah, I mean, that's still a good return. And like you said, getting DJ Moore in that deal helps because they needed pro ready guys to go with Justin Fields right now, and so they've got yes. they've got a veteran. You know that you know. So now you've got more, and you've got Mooney, and now Chase Claypool essentially becomes your number three. And then you know you're probably going to draft another receiver, I would think, with with one of those picks in there, someplace. But and then if you know if they do what what we were just talking about, what Gavin was talking about, trade down again, acquire some more picks. I think that's what you need to do. You, you know you've got to build the whole sure. thing up right now. Yeah, I well, did got see two- this. Two second rounders now, too, this year. Yeah. I did see this, what Gavin was talking about. Dallas restructured Dak Prescott and Zach Martin's contract uh, that freed up around $30 bucks in cap space this hmm. year. So, there – I mean, there's – I think there's more to go because, uh, like, what's going to happen with Zeke Elliott? You know, they still haven't made 
that decision, you know, there's there's talk about they want it, you know, could potentially want to go out and get a veteran receiver of their own. I think that's what they're gearing up for is is trying to add something both to the receiving core as well as their secondary. And then probably just going to draft a running back. I would imagine if they decide that they're going to cut uh, Zeke Elliott and move on from sure. that contract. So it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Dick Vitale was offered the chance to call a couple of NCAA tournament games this year by CBS, but he turned them down. I'm I'm a little surprised. I I first of all, it's a, it's a sign of respect because everybody loves to hear Dickie V do his thing and you know his shtick and everything that he does. But he's a look, he's a legend in the game as far from an announcing standpoint. And I have no problem if he was going to be offered the opportunity to call some games by CBS. I almost feel like he probably didn't take it. And I don't know any, I don't know any, this is me. I don't know if this is accurate or not. I wonder if he's just, his health just isn't where it needs to be for him to be traveling and doing, you know, more games and, you know, all of that. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm a little surprised, but I'm guessing that he just couldn't do it. But I could be wrong. He said, what he said, what the quote that I read said, you know, something to the effect of, because ESPN was so great to him, you know, working, you know, when he was going through his cancer stuff last year, that he wanted to remain loyal to them and only have ESPN on his resume at the end of his career. And I can see that to an extent, but, you know, this is kind of like, um, you, you know, Vin Scully had opportunities later in his, late in his career, like Fox and, and Joe Buck would would say, hey, you know, they'd give him the invite to come in and call an inning or two of a World Series, and he would continue to say no. And, you know, he didn't want it to be about him, I think, was kind of the thing. And, and I I think what maybe he didn't realize, and maybe there's, a you know, a little bit of this with Dick Vitale as well, and of course I mean this with complete respect, is like fans would love to see those kind of guys calling the most important games. It's one thing for Dick Vitale to call a bunch of regular season games and even conference tournament games. But I would love to see Dick Vitale slip in there in the first couple rounds and call an NCAA Absolutely. tournament game or two. I think it would have been really cool. Like, I think that that would be something, yep. you know, like that, you know, because again, those are the most important games, you know, Dick Vitale, he's been around forever and he really helped, especially in the nineties, you know, grow oh, yeah. the college game into, you know, the popularity that it has. So I think it would have been, Really cool. I understand him making the decision that he, you know, that he made not to do it, but 
would have really loved. I, I've I've always I think a lot of people have thought the same. That's probably why CBS extended the offer. Sure, there are a lot of people who would like to have seen him call those. And I, and I know that sometimes it can't work out based on what network you work for. But there have been other guys who have, you know, in those analyst spots, who ESPN and CBS have have shared. You know, for that very reason, because the lack of overall depth of I was going to say when, when you've got that many broadcast teams. Our phone has not rung yet, which I no, don't hasn't. understand because <laughs> I they talk about not having the depth. We're right here. I've got sick days. We can make this happen. That's right. That's all I'm saying. That's right. Have Mike will travel. I mean, it's not that hard, right? It's right here. Ready. <laughs> and I saw the announcer pairings for the tournament. We'll talk about that early next week. But mm. uh, Academy Awards are coming up. Sunday night, Vince. Top Gun Maverick is nominated. It's got 29 to 1 odds to win. For best picture? Yes. Wouldn't that be Ooh. awesome if Top Gun Maverick could win it? <laughs> I don't think it will. I don't think it will. But you know what? I think, you know, I think, and I know a lot of people don't care about the Oscars, and that's fine. But I've always thought like the Oscars, they've been losing interest in recent years. I've, I think they need to add, you know, like a pure comedy category and like, yeah. like an action, like an action adventure category, you know, other than just best drama, you know, or best movie, right. you know, cause they don't even have, you know, drama. It's like, I think, I think they need to add a category or two, you know, to, and like, sure. Like Top Gun Maverick in the action category, that would be a slam dunk. Absolutely. And the fact that there's 10 movies nominated for Best Picture also feels like an everybody gets an award kind of a thing to me. <laughs> there used to be like four. Okay. Right. It's getting a little Here ridiculous. Go. Here we go. Grumpy old man coming out again. <sighs> I had to. I looked it up and I'm like, okay, I wonder, you know, how many movies are out? 10? 10 movies? Come on, man. That's That's ridiculous. You even have to agree with me on that one. That's ridiculous. I do. It is. It is a bit much. I don't. I don't know why they decided they needed to go all the way to ten because it was like you're right. It was like four That's or five. Now they they doubled it up. Have you seen this? Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. No, I have not. I have seen. It is. It's the favorite. It's the favorite. Okay. And interesting. It's. We saw it at the movie theater. I can't remember how long it's been. It's been out for a while now, and it's on the cable channels right now. It's good, but. Like Academy Award, like Best Picture, good. I don't know about that. What, what's it it's, about? It's different. It's yeah. Wow, trying to oh, explain that. It's about okay, no. the multiverse. Like these people kind of okay. bounce around. Like they're basically different. You know, it's like we're living. Like there are twenty different versions of us. You know, and the like oh, other wow. versions of us are alive in these other dimensions. And uh, this, so like. These people, a couple people are, are conscious of it and they're bouncing back and forth between dimensions and that kind of stuff. And you really have to watch it and pay attention. It's not, not as complicated as it sounds, you know, like once okay. you watch it. But I have I have also heard that it it skews like the 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 audience, the younger, the younger you are, the more you appreciate it. The older you are, the more you're like, huh? <laughs> so I think I'm right. Right on the on the cusp, right on the fringe. See, so like we're into they, quantum leap. So, like, how you know, 
Like, no, no, you know, no, time no. travel. I, I was just going to say, so the only reason I know that that movie exists uh, is because I believe Short Round from Indiana Jones is in the movie. Ah, that's right. That's right. He was, and I it's think like it his the, first he won thing a that he's done Globe. in like, yes. Right. He won a Golden Globe and Steven Spielberg, I think. It was either Spielberg or Harrison Ford or both. No, it was Spielberg. Saw him and he knew who he was right away. You know, like yeah. at the Golden Globes, and he was like, he was, you know, that that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, and like I didn't realize, and I did, that's I had, you know, again I had seen the movie, but I didn't realize watching the movie that that's who that was, the short mm-hmm. round guy from. I saw a story from, on him on I think the Sunday morning show. We always watch that, and uh, you know, he did Goonies and he did Indiana Jones, and then it's like he fell off the face of the planet as far as being yeah. an actor, and he just kept getting turned down, turned down, and he kind of on a whim went and did this audition and he got it and he's like this was the perfect you know this that and the other and now he's getting all kinds of acclaim for it and so we were actually looking to try to watch it uh but i can't find it like there's nowhere to watch it i don't think at the moment so you know it is what it is but are you a uh are you a roadhouse fan vince i i've i've seen roadhouse but it's been a long time patrick swayze He's like the yeah. bouncer that beat everybody I thought you'd up. be bigger, Romlek. <laughs> thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> That's right. That should have won an Academy Award for sure. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. I Now, of all of the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture, I've seen three of them. What's the list? What's the list? I know I've seen those two movies. What What are the other eight? So, so uh, Women Talking. Don't know what that's it. about. Uh, the Banshees of Inishirin. Oh, no Inishirin. It's on, okay. I think it's on one of the HBOs maybe, right? My wife saw it when I okay. was gone on a trip. She didn't like it, but I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. Uh, Triangle of Sadness. No. All Quiet on the Western Front. I tried to start watching that, but I got, I fell asleep, I think. <laughs> The remake of the World War One, yeah. Fablemans, yeah. I have not. I have. It looks interesting, though. I wouldn't mind seeing the Fablemans because it's kind of a biopic of Steven Spielberg. So I was kind yeah. of interested in that one. Uh, the new Avatar movie, The Way of Water, is one of them. I saw that one. Yeah. It, it was Avatar. Okay. Uh, Tar. I don't know what Tar is about. That's got um, Kate Blanchett. And she's, okay. she, I think, I think she's one of the front runner. Her, her and the girl, not girl, the woman from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once are like the two kind of gotcha. front runners for best actress. I think, yeah. And then the last one, Tar is Tar uh, is like, have you seen uh, Whiplash? No. J.K. Simmons, you've never seen Whiplash. Mm-mm. I think you would like Whiplash, and it's okay. I, I've, it's it's actually making it's on one of the cable channels right now. J.K. Simmons. Uh, bald guy, uh, Miles Teller, the guy who was uh, Rooster, you know, in in oh, okay. Maverick, the son. Yeah. So uh, J.K. Simmons is a uh, like a music teacher at okay one of the, like a fancy New York, you know, kind of music school. It, it was like it's a jazz. He he leads this jazz ensemble, and he's uh he's basically you know like the uh, the Bobby Knight of of teaching jazz and right. Okay. Miles Teller 
my, you know, Miles Teller is, you know, sort of the, the whipping boy, so to speak, but I think you'd like it. I think you'd like okay. it since you're, I'm down. Since you're so, you know, anti everybody gets a ribbon and all that. <laughs> I am. So. And the last one was Elvis, by the way. I don't know if you saw that one. I did. Have you seen that? I did. I saw Elvis and I thought it was pretty good. I liked it a lot better than I thought I was going to. Yeah, me too. I, I thought did. it was going to be a lot cheesier than what it was, mm-hmm. but it it was it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So I'm surprised it probably yeah. doesn't have a shot at winning, but you know, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, that's right. J.K. Simmons, State Farm guy. He's like one of those ah. not Jake from State Farm, but you know, the skinny, older, bald guy, basically. So. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. For you okay. know, speaking, of, I, I mentioned Quantum Leap. What have you thought about the last two episodes? Have you seen them? I have. And when I saw, so I watched the second to last most recent episode last night and I started the last episode and I ended up watching the rest of it over lunch because I saw this question. I was like, crap, I got to catch up. I, the second to last one, refresh my memory. What was it about? That was the one, the, uh, the family, the Indian family with the restaurant. Oh yeah. With the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. That one was okay. Yeah. I actually really dug the most recent one where he was on the uh, wings in the Navy the destroyer and, or whatever. Yeah. And it was connected to his, you know, fiance's dad and the whole thing. Like I was actually into that one. It had, it, it was very much, it had the, um, not the hunt for red October, but uh, the other submarine movie where they mutiny. Um, and it's got uh, Denzel Washington. Crimson Tide. Crimson Thank Tide. you. Yes. It had Crimson Tide vibes to it. It really it did. did a little bit. Did a little bit. Yeah, That's and I true. enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was one of the better ones recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know what I think? Because we started off whenever this show premiered. You know, they were showing previews, yeah. and there was a Joe Montana in the still preview, waiting. Like last summer, I think that's going to be the last episode of, course of this season. I think they're going to hold out for Joe Montana, like he's going to jump into Joe Montana at the end of the season. Of course so, it is. Yeah. I I will say I do like the backstory that's going on. That's not part of the leaping. I don't under I don't know what the heck is going on. It's very confusing. I honestly that's... wish they would spend a little more time on that <laughs> because I I agree. I think that's more interesting. than yes. the stories. You know, when he leaps, with the exception of this last one, like you talked yeah. about, because like his his girlfriend slash fiance, her dad was part of the storyline on the ship and all that. Yeah, kind of I thought that was a so. cool twist. And but yeah, all the stuff that's happening like back in present day, that's a web of just craziness that I have no idea where it's going. I know. So it's interesting. I agree. Well, like you said, they've already renewed it for season two. So let's go. Let's go. That's right. Just show me that Joe Montana, man. I, I know, right? Like, I want to see this actor try to be a quarterback. That's what I want to see. I always <laughs> love when actors try to be professional athletes because it's uh-huh. hilarious to me. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, have a great weekend, everybody. I see it's, uh, you know, it's turned into a complete free-for-all in the chat right People now. People are just so coming at me here. I don't know how I does. feel about all of this, but, you know, it's all good. <laughs> Got people ripping on Baz Luhrmann. Some people supporting Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> I don't know. Find Whiplash, though, Vince. I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to write it down right now. All right. All right. Well, have a good weekend. We will talk to you 
on Monday. We will have all the selections. We'll know who's going where. We know Notre Dame men aren't going anywhere. We'll know where the women are going, and we'll uh, we'll we'll have our. Well, I guess we'll be gearing our brackets up by next week, right? Yeah, yeah. We, yes, we will. Yes, we will, because they'll be out Sunday, and so we should already be, you know, what, three or four sheets in by the time we get to the show on Monday. That's right. That's right. All right, so we'll talk to you then. Ivy Nation Sports Talk.